This is the Endurance Church Podcast with Pastor Anthony Bass. At Endurance Church, our goal is to live well and finish strong by becoming faithful disciples of Christ. We do this through loving, disciplined, Bible-based teaching, encouragement, and care. For more information about our ministry, head to endurancechurch.org. And now, today's message. My name is Pastor Anthony Bass. Welcome once again to Endurance Church. How many of you have had soul food throughout the course of your life? Anybody? Yes, it almost sent you to an early grave, did it not? Yes, all that food is bad for you, <laughs> all of it. But it tastes so good going down, does it not? Well, interesting, when we think about food and the value plays our lives, we have a lot of different perspectives. Every culture has their own palate and distinctives they like to eat, uh, whether it be soul food or a specific food that's from your ethnicity or genre. But nevertheless, food is a vital part of our lives. We can't get away from it. Here at Endurance Church, oftentimes we talk about food or abstaining from eating food. We talk about the importance of what you eat and why you eat. Personally, I've gone on a particular diet this year. Over the course of, uh, well, what month is this? It's 10 months. I haven't eaten any pork, any red meat, cut back on no, no coffee, and really low amounts of sugar. And I've lost 25 pounds. Now, The goal isn't to lose pounds or even to say, you know, good job. But the point is that because I modified what I eat, my life has changed. Eating affects our life. There's no way of getting around that. There's no way of avoiding that. We have people here in the church that you yourselves have been engaged in diets and you've lost weight. So you understand the principle of food and monitoring what you put in your body. 
when we talk about getting in shape, I would say 80% of being in shape is the choice to eat healthy. Now, the problem with that is it seems like everything that is bad for you tastes so good. Now I can't eat what I want. And I'm like, man, I don't even know what to eat. I go to a restaurant. I'm so inconvenienced now. Like I have to ask, do you have fish? And they look at me like, come on. Like, are you really like one of those guys? I'm almost eating vegan food. I don't even know what vegan means. I'm just mixed up right now. But biblically, there is something tantamount verbatim to food spiritually. And it's not what most people think it is. We're going to jump into a story today that's one of the best stories in all the Bible. And because I'm a man, I can't write a book on this story because it's about a woman. And it would just seem right. Now, I could get the facts right, but hopefully I can encourage my wife or maybe one of you ladies to write this story about the Samaritan woman who Jesus met at a well. It's the best story, in my opinion, in the entire Bible. It's amazing. It's clear. It's beautiful. Now, today we won't be able to jump into all the particulars of it. Actually, I cut out several verses because we have to get to one specific point that Jesus is addressing with this woman, and that is eating. All right, let's pray and let's get started. Father God, thank you for today. Thank you, Lord God, for the opportunity to hear your word. I pray it changes our minds, our hearts, our lives, so we become more like you. I pray, Father God, if we have not eaten Lord God, this week, or even today, Lord God, that we'll, we'll be able to eat now a hearty meal that will change our lives forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, this year, we're going over the topic, the theme, the heart of God. And the reason why I think that topic, that theme is so important, because I think this is the most important subject in all reality for us as humans on this side of death. Because if you trust God's heart, you'll trust him. But you have to understand all the complexities and the dynamics that exist in God's heart. For us, simply, we think of our heart, we think of this muscle beating inside of our bodies. It's a, it's a heart that has different valves, and if it does, goes bad, you have to have surgery, and hopefully you eat the right things and make it keep pumping correctly. But God's heart is something completely different. To me, when I talk about God's heart, really, it's, it's in a sense, woven throughout the entire Bible. It's expressed usually in this phrase, the kingdom of heaven. Understand the king has a will. And wherever the king's will is realized or even expressed, that is his kingdom. And those people who have been saved, hopefully you are now a part of God's kingdom. If you're saved, you are. But now you should be obeying the will, the heart of the father. One of the best stories that exemplifies God's father heart is one story, one story alone. We, we call it the prodigal son. And in that story, the story is about God's response to someone who has left him coming back. And we see even though the prodigal son was offensive to God or his father was offensive, did horrible things, thought, you know what, I don't even care about your life. I'm going to go out and spend my inheritance before you even die. The father still welcomed him back with open arms. That's the father heart of God. God loves you unimaginably. And his heart is for you to be with him for all eternity. He's doing the very best he can to show you what his love looks like, feels like, and has been expressed in the cross of Jesus Christ. And now his heart is here with us inside of us called the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit of God is here to help us line up and do God's will here on the earth. And that's a hard thing. 
our bodies fight against oftentimes God's purpose and plan for our lives. The Bible has three particular sins that we all wrestle against. They're the pride of life and the lust of the, and the other one is the lust of the, and those three sins compromise almost every single sin you could possibly commit. One more time, the pride of, the lust of, and the lust of. Those three sins comprise of almost every single sin that you could commit. And these sins hinder us from doing one thing, and that's obeying God's will. Now, many people, they look at the Bible and they see God's enemy at the very beginning of the Bible called the Satan, Satan. But they don't think he exists any longer after the Old Testament, even though Jesus interacts with them in the New Testament. Nevertheless, his job and his minions' job is to do one thing and one thing alone, is to get you to doubt, to disbelieve, to reject God's heart or God's will for your lives and for the lives of others. And today, we're going to be able to jump in this story. I don't have the clicker, so you're going to have to turn it unless the clicker is working. No? Okay. Got a quote by one of the biggest pastors of all time. His name is Rick Warren. He had a book called The Purpose Driven Life, one of the most read books of all time. He has a quote that says this, just like you need physical food for physical strength, you need spiritual food for spiritual strength. You are a spiritual being. You have a spiritual man inside. Now, what's interesting about this dynamic we're living in now, we have a spiritual self that's encased in a soul, which is the Greek word for house. And in your soul is all these different dynamics that make up you. Now, this body I call a rent-a-car one day will turn in. And we'll get a, a new car that won't be leased, but will be ours for all eternity. This body is not ours. These clothes are not ours. This breath, this air that we have, this is all God's. So when we talk about tithes and offerings, we're really talking about stewardship. Everything we have, our hair, our teeth, our toenails, our toenails, even though we don't like toes, our toenails are still God's. It's all His. That's the weird thing about us giving to God or sacrificing for God because it's all His anyway. But nevertheless, we, in a sense, fight against God's will because this body has been tainted and damaged because of sin. And we're wrestling with the parts of us that are separated or at enmity with God. And we work hard through the disciplines, through prayer, through fasting, for a study word, through meditation, all these different disciplines and exercises coming to church to yield ourselves, to learn how to get our bodies, our minds, our hearts in line with God's will so we can fulfill God's purpose and plan for our life. God has a plan for your life. And that purpose and plan is part of you is and hopefully focused on you eating spiritual food so that you can accomplish God's will for your life. Next slide, please. John chapter 4, you can open your Bibles to it. It's a, it's a great chapter. It's, like I said, one of my favorite um, chapters in all the Bible. Do I say that a lot? I really mean it this time. And I said that last time too, didn't I? <laughs> and I, we went over, we're actually, we were closest in Bible study. And I'm serious, it by far is one of the best chapters of the Bible. And here, Jesus is, is uh, leaving Judea and he's departing again to Galilee. And understand, between Judea and Galilee is a place called Samaria. And there the Samaritans are. Now, you have to understand who the Samaritans were. 
If you go back a long, long time ago, when the kingdoms were divided through a northern and southern kingdoms, the ten tribes up in the north and the two tribes were in the south, the ten tribes got overran, overtaken, destroyed by the Assyrians. Now, the Assyrians had a cultural, in a sense, methodology to bring societies into subjugation. When they overthrew a kingdom, they would send people from different parts of their kingdom back to the place that they had just destroyed. And these people would breed and have relationships and marry with the people who were there. So the Samaritans, a lot of them think of themselves as Jews. But because none of these people in the northern kingdom, unless they left before Assyria came in and went to the southern kingdom, none of these people in the northern kingdom could technically be put in a Jewish lineage. There's no records. So because they were, in a sense, mixed breeds, or they were, in a sense, separated or isolated because they couldn't trace their family lineage, they were considered second-class citizens. Now, if this, if this scripture was simply about social justice here, I would be talking about racism and politics and power. But this scripture is about one thing and one thing alone, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here, this woman is isolated, separated, but yet the King of Kings and Lord of Lords comes and stops and have a conversation with her. And as he's conversing with her, something amazing happens. She believes his words. Just not because of a sign, a miracle, she believes the words that come out of his mouth, and she goes to Samaria, and the entire city, the entire city is one to Jesus Christ. The entire city. So here, it says in verse 4, he needs to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar. And this city has a couple of different names. Some people call it Sychar. Some people interpret Sychar as drunkard. Some people call it closed off. Some people call it lying. Regardless of the name, this area where they're now at has so many great things that happened there. Some people think this is where Abraham received the promise from God. This place right here is where Joseph, after he left Egypt, his body is buried. There was a time when one of uh, Jacob's daughters was assaulted by a couple of people in the surrounding area. And the brothers came and killed everybody there in, a sort of, in order to get revenge because of what happened to his sister. This is a very volatile area. And in this area, there's a place called Jacob's Well. Now, this is what's interesting about this. This is so amazing. So I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I will. Nevertheless, okay, here it says, it says, um, so he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground which Jacob gave to his son Joseph. And it says, now Jacob's well is there. Jesus, therefore, being weary from his journey, sat thus by the well. So now what is explicitly being communicated by John is this. Jesus is what? Tired. Physically, Jesus is tired. Jesus is exhausted. Yes, the King of kings and Lord of lords was physically tired. And because he was tired, he needed what? Rest. And he needed what? Water. And he needed what? Food. Jesus ate like we ate. Would Jesus go to McDonald's? No, of course not. Don't be silly. He wouldn't go to McDonald's. 
He go to Wendy's or Chick Fil A or Burger King. I'm sorry. <laughs> of course, he go to Whole Foods. We know he go. Who knows where he go? But Jesus would eat food. Is what I'm trying to say. Jesus needs sustenance at this moment because he's tired. He's sitting down tired. That's the point. Being weary from his journey, sat thus by the well. Now, this is what's interesting. It says here, it was about the sixth hour. That sixth hour is what time in our calendar? 12 o'clock. It's 12 o'clock noon in the Middle East. I don't know about you. Maybe some of you all have been to Nevada recently. (laughs) Right? Or Egypt. But if you go to a hot place, the last thing you want to do is to go outside in the day at 12 o'clock noon. Because that's when it's the what? Hottest. There's a woman by herself going to get water. That is unheard of in that day and time. Now, as I did more study, the scriptures began to open up more and more. Because not only was it weird for a woman to go to get water during that time of day, it was weird for her to go by herself as well. No kids, no family, no friend, no protection. It wasn't like today's time where they had cameras and police officers around. People got jacked all the time. Jacked is a slang word for Rob, right? They got jacked all the time. And now a woman going by herself, and if you read more of the story, obviously she was attractive because Jesus calls her out and says, you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. So this woman has been married five times. She's beautiful. We come to find out later on the reason why she was divorced by five husbands was because she was unable to have a baby. And the people looked down on her. In Jewish law, it was only the man who had the right to divorce the woman. She had been kicked out of the house five times. She's been rejected, cast out. And now she's alone. And now she's going to get water at the sixth hour. Now, this woman is very brilliant. She's smart. She knows almost everything about what the Samaritans believe religiously. She has a conversation about Jesus. She's going toe-to-toe with him about religious ideologies and points. She's bad, 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 bad. She's even sarcastic with Jesus. And I'm like, Jesus, strike her down, Jesus. He's like, no, no, I'm not going to do that. Now, what's even more amazing is men don't even talk to women in public during this day and time. Normally, they didn't even talk to their wives in public. But this is even more confusing because he's talking to a Samaritan woman in public. So there's a lot of different dynamics that are at play in the background here to make you say, wow, what is really going on? It was divine, a divine plan from God that Jesus ended up there at that time to have a conversation with that woman. And the first thing that Jesus says to her is what? Give me something to drink. In verse 8, it clarifies with the explanation for why he asked for something to drink. Because it says his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. So now his disciples are out in the city they, they went to McDonald's, and they're at McDonald's, and they're going through the Happy Meal line, and they ran out of Happy Meals, and now they're going to Big Macs, and is that in McDonald's? They're, they're going to get some apple pies for Jesus, and they're in the city. 
Jesus is thirsty. Jesus is hungry. They have this conversation, and it happens from verses 9 through 26. And I would love one day to be able to break down that conversation because it is by far the best conversation, in my opinion, in the New Testament. Because in there, they're having this discussion about one thing and one thing alone, the Messiah. She has faith that the Messiah eventually will come, and then she realizes this guy is the Messiah. She's like, this is it. Now, in this scripture, there's a lot of different contrasts here between Jacob's well and Jesus who says, I am what? I'm the I'm living water. And if you believe in me, living water will come out of you as well. The scripture contrasts this well, which is like a cistern. It has old water that's stuck in there that doesn't flow in contrast to what Jesus is able to give. Now, what the scripture trying to communicate here is this. There's a distinction between the law, which she needed and used to be right, in contrast to the grace that Jesus Christ gives when you put your faith and confidence in him. Here, the conversation happens about the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we have our first real evangelist, a Samaritan woman, a Gentile, who hears what Jesus says, and she runs back home. Now, this woman is notorious, not like the notorious B.I.G., but she's notorious because of her quality of life. She's been out there. Everybody knows her. Now, she's living with a man outside of marriage, and now everybody's like, what is going on? She's given up hope. She's lost, but she never gave up on God. You say, Pastor, how do you know she didn't give up on God? Because she kept pursuing him. You have to understand, I didn't realize this through this week. There was another well between the place she lived and Jacob's well. There was a well between there, which was just a normal well. But this well, Jacob's well, was deeper but further away. This well had some prophetic implications to it. This well was pointing to the hope of the future that one day the Messiah would come. You see, regardless of how bad this woman's life was, she never held it against God. She was not bitter. When Jesus came and he revealed himself to her, you know what she did? She runs back to the city and tells people, I just met the Messiah. When she realized that this was Jesus, her response wasn't to get an angry argument. Why did you let me not have a kid? Why did you not give me this opportunity to have babies? She realized like, oh, this is the one. And her whole response and reaction to Jesus Christ is the response God hopes we all have when we realize who he is. It says, at this point now, they come back with the Happy Meal and the apple pie. And it says, and at this point, his disciples came and they marveled that he talked with a woman, yet no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? Because like, we got food. Can you just wait a little bit? Now, 28, it says, the woman then left her water pot. Now, you just don't get water pots from Target back in the day. Like, there were no extra uh, water pots in invoice, right? They didn't have a, a overstock.com to get more water pots. Like, th- that cost her something leaving that water pot. She, she forgot her purpose and turned to God's purpose. And what was her purpose? Getting water. 
She needs sustenance. But she turned and did God's will at this moment. How do you know that? Looky here. The woman left her water pot, went her way into the city, and said to the men, why would she go to the men, Haley? Not the men. Patty, I would, no men? That would be the last people in my mind I thought she would go to. I thought she'd go to the, the women. But she was like, I'm going to the top in that culture. And I'm going to tell them. Why? Because these men know her. They've been looking at her. She's beautiful. She's been married. Five, I mean, why didn't number three say, okay, this ain't going to happen. Number three still was like, she, I'm going to marry her. And number four was like, I'm going to marry her too. And number five said, I'm going to marry her too. And number six said, I don't care if you marry me. I just want to be with you. And now there's a song about that. I'm not going to sing it because it's like Poison or Guns N' Roses. One of those songs. But nevertheless, here we go. It says, come and see a man who told me all things I ever did. People are like, what? All things that you did? Could this be the Christ? This is amazing. Her shame, her story now comes in public to be expressed in open communication. Her life becomes her message about Jesus Christ. Because all she really is doing is one thing. I met Jesus, and this is what he did for me. That's the only story she's got. I met Jesus, and this is what he did for me. It says, with that little story, then they went out of the city, the men, and came to him. In the meantime, his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. Now, these people are coming out in droves to Jesus. And his disciples are saying, what? Come on, eat a French fry. Just one of them while they're still hot because you know you can't eat cold French fries from McDonald's. Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat of which you don't even know. And you're like, if you're reading this, you're like, what? We know Jesus had not eaten any food with his mouth. Now, is he speaking metaphorically? Maybe so. But follow me here. Therefore, the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him anything to eat? They're looking around like, Judas, we know you're a little sneaky. Did you have some up in there, up in there that you gave to him? What do you know about Judas? Come on. They're like, no, I don't know what he's talking about. So they're all perplexed at this moment. Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. What's the food of God? Don't raise your hand. Just a thought. Who here feels this is just rhetorical? This is not meant for you to raise your hand. Distant from God spiritually. Who feels a little weak spiritually. Like when you read the Bible, it just doesn't click. When the worship music comes on, it's just not touching you. When you come to church, you're like, oh, I got to go to church. When, when you think about telling somebody about Jesus, you're like, nah, I ain't going to have a name. You know what's happening? 
What's happening is you're starving your spirit, woman or man. You, have a, you are a spiritual being, and you are responsible for the spiritual health and vitality of that being. That is you. And you can only be strong physically if you're eating. You can only be strong physically if you're eating. You can only be strong spiritually if you're eating as well. Many people haven't eaten off the table of God yet. They've been Christians for years and have never even said, I need to do God's will. And you're walking around thin and shrunken. And now's the time to grow. Eat. How do we eat, Pastor? Do the will of God. You want to grow spiritually. You want to live spiritually. You want to be strong spiritually. Do God's will. That's your food. What's that dynamic look like? I can't break down and give you analytics on how that works. Is it really like a spiritual piece of bacon going in your mouth when you do? I, I don't know. I can't explain that. I can't do that. The Bible doesn't give you that answer. But what it does, it says this clearly. It's called explicitly. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. And Jesus did not need to put any McDonald's in his mouth. The point is, potentially you could be eating great. You could go to, what's it called, Ruth, Chris, Manny's, Fogo de Chao. You can eat it wherever you want. Olive Garden. It doesn't matter. If you're not building yourself up spiritually, you're going to feel weak. Got a couple points and we're done for the day. Point one. Doing God's will is what sustains the Christian soul. My hope is for everyone to be passionately in love with Jesus Christ. But if you're starving, it's hard to think about anything else except for eating. And the problem is people try to fill themselves up with this other stuff. You're like, man, I just feel off. So people jump into watching TV or watching the Vikings. And I'm not saying anything wrong with watching the Vikings or watching TV. I'm just trying to say, but those things themselves don't fill up your inner man. You're like, man, once I get married or get a husband or once that boy likes me or once I get that girlfriend or once I get that car, that Range Rover, once I get that house, regardless of what it is, you're thinking, oh, I'm going to be satisfied. And you're thinking about the wrong sense of satisfaction. Satisfaction does not just come from this natural man that will always be in need of more food. I ate a steak one time, Jared. I was in Alexandria, in Egypt, overlooking water. They brought in the best fish of the country because I was an American. I'm like, yes, thank God, I'm American. They're taking discounts off. I mean, the best meal I'd ever eaten in my life. I was in Iraq eventually, too. We were there with this millionaire, and he was breaking out bread and food I had never eaten. It was so good, I didn't put any sauce on it. And you know, for me back in the day, that was a miracle. And I'm like, this is the best food I had ever eaten in my life until I got married. 
But you know what? <laughs> Regardless of how good the food we eat, and, and I could go here as deep as possible, how good the physical intimacy is, how good the book I read, how good the movie I saw, how good the experience I had at the concert, how good I, in a sense, accomplished my goals and my job, that doesn't satisfy for long. Because you're looking for the wrong sense of satisfaction. Spiritual satisfaction is what you're really looking for. And I'm just trying to tell you today, are you eating? Next slide, please. Understand so you understand what gives your soul life as a believer in Jesus. Do you understand how this dynamic works? There's a spiritual reality. One day these bodies will no longer work. I have gray hair. That means something in there died. It doesn't turn black in there. <laughs> I'm serious. Isn't that what I mean? There's something in there that died. Now it's gray coming out. So you understand what's going on. It's the evidence that my time is winding down. My liver, my li something is not, there's some enzymes come. Some ain't right with it. It doesn't work the way it used to work. Kidney stones, y'all. I've had, I caught it. I told you I caught a kidney stone coming back from Israel. I was on the plane with a kidney stone. Me and Pat Jared was right there. I was drugged up, you all. I was in sin. I was like, I just don't want to feel this thing pass through my body. I had muscle relaxation. My body is slowly dying. But it's okay. God has promised us a new body. The question is, do you believe him? That's what this whole thing is about. You get a new body. Regardless of how fine you are, and we know you're fine, how smart you are, and we know your brilliance, regardless of how good of a person you are, that thing is gone. But what you're about to get doesn't even compare. All of life is about this for you, this new body that Jesus says is yours. That's your promised land. Now, you have to build up your spiritual man now. Would you rather look like Jim Carrey or Arnold Schwarzenegger? It's up to you. Build up your spiritual man. I know y'all got that because y'all like, oh, next slide, please. <laughs> Do the will of God. Eat steak. Eat chicken. Stay away from pork. Do the will of God. Because in doing the will of God, you're growing. You're healthy. If you find yourself off spiritually, if God just seems distant from you, ask yourself this question. Am I doing his will? Because in doing his will is how you grow. That's the food you need to eat. Next point. Why do we need to do it? So that you'll have life in this mortal body. The Holy Spirit lives within you. God has given you a gift for a reason. He's developing you and training you. This day, I'm still being developed and trained for what's ahead. And if I knew I had only two more weeks of life in me, I would still grow. I'd still pick up a book. Because I believe somehow how we treat our bodies, our lives here on this earth affects what we will look like, how we will act, what we will get for eternity. 
There's a clear conduit. There's a clear correlation between what we do in this body and what we get in eternity. It's clear in the scriptures. The question is, do you trust Jesus' words? I think there's one more. What we consume becomes a part of us. I used to eat donuts. I miss donuts. My mouth just started watering. I used to love uh, the pizza, the greasy pizza, deep dish from Green Mill. Artichoke, talk to me, Nate. (laughs) Loved it. I used to eat a lot of uh, what kind of dessert? Like chocolate cake and banana pudding. Carry me soon. Carry me too. Carry me through. Carry me soon. Oh, yes. <laughs> I used to go to like a caribou coffee all the time. Pastor Sean knows. I remember one time we went to a movie and he was like, wow, it's like that, Pastor? Like you need caribou like that right before you drink a movie? Whoa. I mean, before you go to a movie, you need caribou? He said, get all caribou. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> I don't even drink it anymore. Because that's not the food my body needs. Do God's will. Pick up some weight for Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your lovely people. Lord, I'm excited about where our sermons are going, Lord God. We've, we, we know endurance, Father God, but we want to know your heart. We want to embrace it, Lord God. You are the God Almighty. You can do all things and you do all things well. Help us not be distracted, Lord God, in this war. Help us have the courage to do the right thing. We pray for boldness to do your will. We're not capable of doing it, Lord God. We we go to work, Lord God. We, We seek for comfort, Lord God. We seek to make a salary, Lord God, that will pay all our bills, Lord God, to get rid of our debt, Father God, to be able to help those people we love and those people who are in need, Lord God. We have daily concerns that seemingly distract us from doing one thing, and that's your will, Lord. Help us today stay focused on you, Lord God. We pray for your grace, your strength. We pray to become more like you, Lord God. Live through us, win through us, Father God. Be glorified through us, Father God. Use us for your greater good today. Lord, we recognize that time is slowly ticking down. We know that all the energy in the universe one day will be gone, Lord God. So regardless, even if we found the found the few, all the energy in the universe one day will be exhausted. So Lord God, unless you come in miraculously and change our reality, Father God, there is no hope. But thank you for Jesus. Your scripture says the Gentiles will put their hope in him. And Lord God, we represent that prophetic scripture. We Gentiles have placed our hope in you. So Lord Jesus, well done because of what you did on the cross. Well done for picking the disciples, Lord God. 
well done on sending your Holy Spirit. Well done, Father God, on keeping the flame of Christianity alive to this day so that we ourselves this day can have the opportunity of knowing the King of kings and Lord of lords. So help us, Lord God, not take this day for granted. Help us just not just be another message that goes through us, Lord God, and, and out of our ears, Lord God. Help, help us, Lord God, to focus and do your will today. Help us be able to eat, feast from the buffet of the kingdom. This has been a presentation of Endurance Church. For more about the ministry, head to endurancechurch.org. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash endurancechurch. And like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash endurancechurch.tv. Remember to live well and finish strong. I give you all my heart. on my